Listeners, and welcome to uh, a well, very special Q&A version of the show today. We've never done one of these where we've actually accepted uh, a lot of your questions on the hashtag AskTVT, and uh, we're, we're going through them now. Now, as you can imagine, if you are um, a very skilled voluntary tackle listener, you'd probably noted this already, but research isn't high on our agenda. Xander, well, I, haven't even op- I haven't even welcomed you to the show, Xander. Welcome to the first Q&A episode, mate. Thanks, mate. It's always good to be here. You didn't sound sincere, but I do believe I, you. Look, I, I, I am, uh, I am still slightly in recovery mode, so um, you know. Yeah, that's right. We should talk about that first. Last time you were on the show, I have to admit you had a very husky voice. I did. And upon uh, going Made through, me and, big with the ladies. Yeah, I'm sure it did. You, you were very Barry White. But when I was editing the show, I noticed that you kind of had this, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you had this sort of shades of that voice would make a good sex offender. <laughs> And I remember thinking, and, I, and it got that stuck in my head, and it was kind of irritating as I went through the show to make sure there was no breaths or burps or farts and things. And I remember thinking, yeah, no, that's definite sex offender voice. If I was to imagine, for example, Robert Hughes, uh, the former dad from Hey Dad, waiting outside of a child's uh, playground, your voice came to mind. And again, please don't take offence, because it's not your voice. See, I, I heard he spoke a little like Barney. Um, and it was quite high-pitched, so I don't know if that really washes. I was told I sounded more like the Batman, and that's kind of what I'd prefer to go with. <laughs> you were a Christian Bale that's type. Right. Just very, you know, demanding to know where the drugs are and, um, <laughs> and telling people to pray to me. Well, I did really, when you say Batman, it really depends on which one. I could see you as a Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer especially Batman. post-throat surgery. Could He's you... actually had throat cancer. I don't know if you know that or not. Oh, that would explain why you could barely hear him in the movie he was in. Oh, well, that, I mean, some of that dialogue was so bad, mate. You actually, he's doing it for Maybe I just forgot it. Maybe maybe it wasn't so much I couldn't hear. It was just that bad I blocked it out of my He was memory. the one. Wasn't he in the movie with, like, Mr. Freeze? That was no, the one, no, that, he, was, he was in the one with Jim Carrey. Um, look, we will crack on with some of these questions. The first one comes from Media Watch Mario, and he's actually pitching a pretty big one first up here, mate. Now, I've had a few beers, but he's asked, how would you fix the salary cap situation? Or I guess the third-party agreement situation. So basically, Mario is asking us to solve the one issue which has plagued the NRL for 25 years. Um, can we solve it here on the show today? No, I don't think we can. But let's, let's give it try. a shot. Yeah, give it a shot. Now, the first thing that my brain goes to, obviously, and I'm not the first person to think of this, is the draft. Yeah. Now, we know the yeah. AFL uses the draft. I want to get your opinions on this. Could a draft work in the NRL? Yeah, so um, I, I, I like the idea of a, a draft in principle. I, I guess empirically the only question mark I kind of have over it is that, um, you know, the AFL have got a draft, but when you look at the results of the competitions, they've had uh, more dynasties and um, less uh, diversity of champions than the NRL has, despite the fact that the NRL hasn't had a draft. The last decade, the NRL's probably like been Like Hawthorne, more, right? Yeah, you know, like in the last 20 years, you know, you had Hawthorne, Brisbane, um, and what Geelong, they all, all had dynasties, you know, where... Where sides just—it ha- was really hard to knock them off. Mm. Um, 
you know, the NRL, the only, the only side to have anything close to a dynasty has been the Roosters. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we're certainly Shout out to Easts. That's um, right. I just want to match Parramatta's effort in the 80s, to be honest. I want to match us and George uh, in the <laughs> 50s and 60s, to be honest. I want to pull a Norm Proven. I want... <laughs> Cord- 11 straight. I want Cordner to be today's Norm Proven. Um, no, okay, so what you're saying is it's been trialled in another sport mm. and it hasn't necessarily levelled the playing field very much. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the downsides of... Uh, of of a draft is, I mean, you know, maybe that's simply a, a product of the depth of those clubs in the AFL. It might not mm. necessarily be a knock on on the system itself, like because in principle it should work. the The issue with it is um, there are negative incentives. Therefore, if you're pretty sure you haven't made the eight to the basically just play a reserve grade team at the back end of the year, yeah, that's right. Start tanking, yeah, which is a huge criticism of the system. I, in my head, straight away, the thing that I love about uh, rugby league and obviously it's becoming uh, less frequent these mm. days but I've always loved the ideas of one club players and I love the idea of a player playing for a region and loving that region and I know that in the AFL they use a draft system where if you're a young up and coming and you're like one, two, three on the draft you could be basically sent anywhere like the player doesn't really have a lot of agency mm. Mm. and that sort of flies in the face of this idea of you know, a player coming from a particular area and wanting to play for that club and then playing there for his entire life. I know that doesn't happen all the time in the NRL. I know it's mm. happening less and less. But isn't that the kind of ambition and goal? Isn't that what we want to get to? Or am I being like a bit naive and unrealistic there? I take your point. I mean, it's it's a nice ideal for, for players to be able to have. I, I don't know if, if you're to balance it and decide that it was, it was likely going to help balance a competition, uh, if that would be too big a sacrifice to make, I guess would probably mm. be my response to that is, you know, I think that's a fair trade-off given that you, you would still have the opportunity to go to that club later in your career if you really wanted to. You know, it's funny, when I think of the players that I either really love or really hate, a lot of them tend to be one-club players, Yeah, weirdly. <laughs> yeah. Like I think of a Billy Slater or a Cameron yeah. Smith who I kind of love to hate. Yeah, uh, And then there are players that I just always love, like Steve Menzies. Or Cliff Lyons, although Cliff Lyons didn't always play for Manly, so he's a bad example. But Steve Menzies, certainly, and uh, Andrew Johns, um, you know, Laurie Daly. I mean, I would have hate to have seen any of those guys playing for another club. Mm. Like, in a, in a way, it would have been a betrayal. And I know everyone says NRL is a business. I completely understand the commercial realities, and, uh, and we're Roosters fans, so everyone's going to think, wow, how, how's the weather up there in your glass house? <laughs> Uh, say hi to Kronk for me. Uh, but, you know, I'm just talking about uh, the goal, the aspiration, is I, I would have thought to at least have a few one-club players per team. Mm. and Because, you know, it shouldn't be just playing for the jersey, should it? shouldn't be going, I want to play for those colours in uh, for a team that's playing at this ground. Mm. I like the emotional connection between I love my favourite player. So maybe I'm an outlier yeah. here. But, look, we're, we're drifting from Mario, mm. trying to solve Mario's problem. So I'm assuming... He's saying the issue there could be around clubs cheating the cap as well. Yeah. Now, Mario's been on the show. Big shout out to Mario. And he was said it to our face that uh, he thinks that most clubs should cheat the way that the Roosters cheat and do it with the proper brown bag system. He said that the reason uh, we don't get courts because we cheat well. I don't take the point, Mario, but very brave for saying it on a very biased well, Roosters pod. He's he's not the only person who's made the point. It's not... Not like it's, you know, the roosters cheat and therefore they, they do well. I mean, the third-party agreements that are listed, um, you know, the roosters actually register a very small amount. So in terms of the actual value of those things that, that have come up, I mean, the, the, the sites like Brisbane and Melbourne have a much greater advantage just because they have the... One-club city. One-club one, one city status. So, I mean, 
it's it's not all down to you know how well you manage your third parties, but you know uh, taking that point on board at, at face value. Um, the problem with the, the third party system is that there are loopholes. I mean, it's not you don't put money in brown paper bags. It's a that's a bit of a I think that's a bit of a misnomer. That's not really what what happens as as far as um you know the people who've looked into this have. have yeah, it's in the Caymans. Yeah. Uh, that's what Nick does. <laughs> well, no, I mean I think it was Andrew Webster in in uh, the SMH a while back said you know like there's nothing to stop, for example, a club saying that look you know you'll play for us. And when your career is finished, uh, yeah. we'll make sure that you have... We'll look after you. Yeah, you'll have a job after you finish football. Yeah, which is an, a way of circumnavigating yeah. the system, which isn't is, it? Which is, it's not like saying we'll give you an extra, you know, like $100,000 a year, but it's a way of saying you're not going to be a truck driver or whatever <laughs> exactly. you know, if, you, and, if you don't have skills. And I hate drawing the allusions <laughs> to the Italian mafia, but it is a bit like someone slaps you and goes, we'll look after you, mate, uh, and then slaps you on the face. Then, and I think that that is the perception sometimes people yeah. have of the roosters. But, you know, I always think about the Cowboys. I, mm. I know this was an, a controversy for about eight minutes, but I always think about it, that uh, up there a few years ago, uh, one of the people on the board was a property developer and there was a story linking cheap properties given to yeah, players. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not... Uh, this is all alleged. I'm not accusing any players of anything. I guess what we're highlighting is the different ways you can circumnavigate yeah. the system. Yeah, it's, 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 a funny, it's a funny system because the third-party um, payment structure was brought in to allow uh, clubs to top up contracts without sending themselves broke and also, you know, still adhering to, um, you know, uh, parts of the salary cap, right? Mm. Um, to give them a little bit of uh, a bit of leeway. But it, it, they are right in that, um, you know, Mario and others are right in their criticism that it obviously provides benefit to some clubs over others. And that benefit is generally, you know, related to uh, the the competitiveness of that marketplace and I guess the the level of connectedness of, of the board's business community, right? So it's, it's, mm. it's not a level playing field and that's an issue. And we should mention uh, in the interest of full transparency that when it came to third-party agreements, I know we referenced it before, that I don't think they included whole of NRL third-party agreements, in mm. which case the Roosters probably did register a little bit higher than that graph certainly insinuated. Um, look, I'm going to finish on this, Xander, and it goes back to my idea before about wanting one-club players and I know the NRL had this system in place a little bit already, but it's a, a salary cap dispensation for players who have played at your club for a certain amount of time. So in other words, creating an incentive to want to retain players for longer periods of time and not have them traded around the Monopoly board yeah. like they're just a commodity. Yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I've, I've heard this idea raised a lot. And I, I actually agree. I do like the idea. I mean, if, you know... I'll, Sort of kind of going against a little bit what I said, you know, in terms of balancing, you know, uh, the needs of the mm. competitiveness of the competition. But I do think that there probably um, is def is a value in in um, encouraging player development and and strong development systems. So if yeah. a club start a player starts out at a particular club, uh, or has you know come through their development system, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that um, there should be the ability to hang on to them, um, you know. Because you've nurtured to, the talent, yeah, to you? reward them. And it's funny, like a lot of people will say, "Well, you know, geez, the Roosters will be stuffed; they don't have any juniors." But the Roosters actually have a remarkably sophisticated player development system, so we could exactly. probably benefit from that as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I mean, it's well, well, kind of known in rugby league circles that actually the Roosters and the Storm lead the way when it comes yeah. to development systems. And I know the the giant sombrero comes up as a joke a lot, but mm. I guess the counter argument to that is 
we are extremely good at creating long-term plans yeah. when it comes to the development system. And it's all about scouting, development, understanding that player's needs, how that's going to factor into mm. your salary cap 5, 10, 15 years down the track. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if, if a club doesn't plan like that and they just look for short-term solutions, big shout out to me, I'm an Inger at Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> then you're going to be fucked, in yep. other words. Um, look, we haven't solved anything here. I don't know if we have, but I will say this. As a Roosters fan, let's just keep the system the way it is, eh? <laughs> I think we're good with it. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. Now, uh, there was another question there from Gavin at Ernie Oz. Big shout out to Gavin. Uh, big fan of yours. Uh, it did tie into what we just talked about. So we might skip yours. Very sorry about that. I know we, we talked about drafts. So hopefully that satisfied you. The next question comes from the angriest tiger who asks, the biggest problem at the moment seems to be teams being strong-armed into releasing players from their contracts early. What is the first step to fixing this? And by extension, why is tampering just so openly accepted by the NRL? Now, this is an interesting question to come mm. up in the same week that we got Morai. Josh, yeah. Josh Morris is coming across from the Cronulla Sharks. Slightly different situation, I think, in that uh, yeah. he wanted to come and play with his brother, although certainly it doesn't completely operate outside yeah. of this question, does it? Uh, you know, I don't actually have... I don't, I don't think there's a problem here, to be completely blunt about it. Like, I, th I think that, you know, we're, we're trying to separate... Um, you know, professional footballer contracts out of how contracts, employment contracts work in the real world. And, mm. you know, if, if, you're, if you're particularly talented at anything in the real world, and I suppose it depends on the jurisdiction, you're, you know, people um, get poached and change jobs in the real world all the time. And, you know, in Australia, you have like non-compete clauses and things that basically put people on gardening leave. And, yeah. and, and like there's an argument that I, like those attempts to try and stifle that actually are bad for, uh, for businesses and, and knowledge networks. And in, in footballing terms, you know, I'm not sure how well it translates, but there, there have been studies done on this from broad industry bases. And in, in, in California, for example, they don't have non like it's illegal to put non-complete courses. So there's, there's a really strong incentive, therefore, in a, in a state like California, if you have talented people to look after them. Yeah, and to make that hard. So the incentive structure is flipped. It's it's you 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 have to make it attractive enough at your club to to stay, and mm. therefore, um, you know you, you're you're operating in the knowledge that, um, you know if you're a shit manager and you don't you don't coach well or whatever, um, that your players may end up being free agents. I think that's fine. So you're saying the NRL should take a more Silicon Valley approach to the way it signs up and retains players. I I, I think. I think to a certain there's certainly some merit to that, but yeah. at the same time, I can hear the qualms of the average fan yeah. who thinks, "Why the fuck do they even bother signing a contract?" Yeah, there's well, I mean, a contract a contract is um, what is the utility is, of is, the contract in that situation? A contract is an agreement between both parties, right? You know that um, that it's in their best interest. It's, a contract is like a treaty; it's 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 valid until it's no longer in either or both parties' interest. And I think that's that's basically all it is. I mean, you know, a, a club can still can want Can you to have a chat with Vodafone for me? Because I have a <laughs> fucking huge bill and it's certainly not in my interest to keep that yeah. fucking pill. I can tell you that much. But the thing is, you know, you can you can migrate out of that pretty easily. You can find a competitor, right? Who says, you know, well, yeah, we'd like your business and then they'll, they'll, they'll churn you out. <laughs> but you're definitely taking over that debt, that's for sure. <laughs> but... But no, the, the broader point is that I actually am a bit of a supporter of a free market approach to this. That, you know, okay. you don't you don't force because I mean, really, what, what what do you what do you achieve by forcing a player to stay at a club that they don't want to be at anyway? Well, let's take the Josh Morris situation. I guess this is a really relevant mm. one, right? So the Cronulla Sharks have had a very bumpy road over the last twelve months. They've had mm. uh, you've got the Josh Dugan 
uh, situation where he's been trying to get medical retirement, for example. Uh, I think he's tying up $900,000 of the salary cap. Uh, they've had a number of players, high-profile players, retire or leave. Uh, I think Chad Townsend came out this week and said, uh, we're in, quote, dire straits. Yeah. So they desperately want to hang on to Josh Morris. They need him because they're thin on the ground. Yeah, but they also told him at the back end of the last year that he could look for another contract for this year. So, I mean, you know, it is kind of on them. But he is contracted for another year, he isn't is. he? But, you know, I think that ultimately comes down to, well, it's a bit of bad luck, but it's also a bit of mm. poor management because they didn't... They didn't um, yeah, look after they, they didn't properly assess the risks that they were facing when they told him he could actually start looking for another club. So had they not told him that, just going back to what you said before, would it matter? Because if you're saying that let the free market decide and that the contract, you both parties have to be content. Mm. Even at, at any point in the in this in the timeline that Josh Morris became discontented, mm. it wouldn't matter what the club had said to him, would it? Under that premise or not? Is that what is that how you see it? My my point was more that if if um if the club is happy to release them, mm. um, like I, I don't have a, a problem with meddling. I think I think I think it's, it's going to sound like I'm backtracking a little bit, but I'm, no, I'm go not. For it. We're having um, an open, yeah. fluid conversation, mate. So, You're Tony Jones, and I'm Barnaby Joyce. So I, I, I'm about to fuck my uh, second secretary. So um, go for it. So I do think you know, like like I said, it, it should it should work for both parties, right? And I think in a case like Morris and, and a lot of these other cases where there has been meddling, it's big. Be- because that there the, there has been discontent, I think um, you know if the club is really keen to hang on to them and and um, you know squeeze a bit out of the, the value, then they can. Mm. Um, Which seems to be this situation, right? <clears throat> They've negotiated a release. Yeah. Looks like Josh Morris is going to come across to the Roosters from round two, mm. which makes round one interesting. Doesn't yeah, it? no, it's. I'm like, don't get injured. Will he be putting in? That's an odd odd thing, isn't it? Because I don't remember a situation where yeah, yeah. someone goes, all right, you're here for a week. Um, please play well. So, you know, it, it's the same weird incentive structure though, isn't it? Because you've got um, you've got a player who obviously doesn't want to get injured now. Um, but again, if you're, if, you're, um, if you're on the last year of your contract and you're adding, well, you probably mm. don't give a stuff about the club you're playing for. I've got to give you a thought experiment, yeah. right? Josh Morris, I don't want this to happen, obviously. Josh Morris goes out season-ending injury. Hmm. Uh, as a Roosters fan, are we going to go, nah, we're right? <laughs> you know what? We've had to think about it and um, we're going to stick with Orbo. The sorry, Sharks. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. I, could we do that? That would be a highly immoral thing to do and I don't want us to do it. But is that something conceivable? Because this is new territory, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. One round. He's going to play one round for a club before he comes across. It's very strange. It is, but I mean, they've been players have been... Um Jumping ship mid-season for a couple of years now. I know, but um, mid-season is the yeah. point, isn't it? One round. That's so strange. Well, I mean, I prefer one round than mid-season, to be completely honest. I want Josh Morris as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. He's a bloody good. <laughs> I've always. He, I tell you what, they're they're um, a couple of guys that kind of buck what mm. I was saying before about one club players. Mm. I've always loved those guys, no matter where they've gone. That's mm. obviously the oh, start yeah, of the yeah. Dragons and the Bulldogs. But I've always just loved mm. the Morris brothers, and I feel—I don't know if I can speak for the entire rugby league community, but I feel as though they're like almost universally liked, aren't they? Yeah, no, it's it's a fair point actually. I don't—I have never met anybody who dislikes the, the Morris uh, brothers, but uh, mm. I don't know, maybe oh, yeah, maybe Laurie Daly because he wouldn't fucking select. <laughs> he them. wouldn't. When Jesus were, Christ, when Laurie! When they were at the peak of their powers, I know. The only guy that ever shut down Greg Inglis, mm. Josh Morris, didn't pick him much. Yeah. 
Got to love it um, when, when Brett Morris came over to us, you know, first game he plays World Club Challenge and he scores three tries in, what, like 20 minutes or something. Scores a hat-trick, yeah, that's right. And then, unfortunately, Brookie claimed him a few weeks later, didn't it? <laughs> but, um, look, that's the only little thing you have against them and they are a little bit injury-prone. Now, I'm sorry about that, the angriest tiger. I don't know if we've necessarily solved it, but we're going to go to the next question. Two strikes for us, I think. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what happens if we've done nothing for three questions in a row? If we've gone... And absolutely given nothing. No, I, I think I think we came to the agreement on the last question that you know a fairly open market approach is is preferable. Or at least I came to that conclusion. Yeah, that's right. You didn't sell me, but that's okay. <laughs> um, the next question comes from our good friend Giannis, uh, who asks, "Why is it we imprison amateur Southern Highlands tour guides like Ivan Milat for life when they get away with mass murder by televising a- AFLX? I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. AFLX, yeah, yeah." At the start of every year. So I think this is a great point from Giannis because I had a look into Do this thing. Do they televise AFLX? I thought it was just... I don't know. It I thought they'd like the given up on It looks like the thing that yeah. I've ever seen in my life. No, I mean, I've seen I've seen them run camps of, of this um, at parks in the eastern suburbs. Um, Explain to the listeners who might not know what the fuck AFLX is. This is an NRL podcast yeah. after all. AFLX is an attempt by the AFL to spread the game of AFL on rectangular fields because cricket pitches are a lot rarer than a rectangular sports grounds. Yeah, so and they play with less players, don't they? Yeah, so that it's, 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 it's effectively AFL that looks a little bit more like Gaelic football than normal AFL. Yeah, it's the coronavirus version of <laughs> AFLX, isn't it? There's just fucking hardly anyone around. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this. This is a massive fucking digression, yeah. but it's a Q&A episode and I've had a lot of beers um i've noticed have you ever gone into a fucking shopping center at the moment there's like a third of the normal amount of people in there oh yeah yeah and i've got to say this and i know no one's saying it on the mainstream media but this COVID 19 thing fucking great for cues like i'm really enjoying it the only thing that i've noticed the the downside of it is it's a lot more traffic because no one's getting on a train or a bus anymore I, you you would think so, but I, I tell you what, I wouldn't have thought. I, I haven't noticed it so far in my commute to the city. Yeah, I've just noticed I go straight to the line and want a coffee. I mean, sure, it's diseased. Well, I don't know what I'm drinking, but fuck it, it's I'm not waiting that long. I mean, I guess everyone's already stocked up on toilet paper by now. It's just you know <laughs> they don't need to go to the the supermarket anymore. Now I don't know how to really approach this question other than saying, uh, was Ivan Milat really that bad? There's definitely competitors. I probably probably start with the likes of Pol Pot, okay. Stalin, Adolf Hitler, and work your way up to Russell yeah. Crowe. <laughs> Um, all right, <laughs> moving on to the next question. This one comes from at SwissCowboy78. Interesting story about this tweeter, mate. Um, I believe he's German-born, uh, lives in Switzerland, and loves the NRL, and goes for the Cowboys. That is that is really interesting. That is the most international yeah. person I've ever met, and actually has a brilliant Twitter account, so uh, get on it if anyone's in that world, and a big shout-out to the Swiss Cowboy. So there we go. We... we there's a new expansion target. We have one potential fan. <laughs> we need a German-speaking, Swiss-based NRL side. I'd fucking love for it. that it one just, guy. It just plays in the Alps. Exactly. That'd be amazing. Call the Mountain Goats or something. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And you'd change the Nestle chocolate packet that has the fucking Matterhorn on the background, and you'd have a couple of rugby league players sort of tumbling down the mountain faster than Joel Thompson. See, it is funny, though. I've always thought, like, you know, Germanic peoples would be really good at rugby league. Like, they're fucking huge. You know, they're, they're big they're, they're big. They, they, would play, they would play a very high percentage style of football, I, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> Just, is that a form of, like, almost obscure racism? It would be very efficient football, you know. It, 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 it'd, be, it'd be programmed. It'd be Bellamy-style coaching. <laughs> You know, where it'd be all about the margins. Do you know what? I don't think I'm making this up. There is history of mm. 
Germany playing rugby league, and I believe there was no, a they fork. Have a, they have a competition. Yeah, wasn't there a fork in the road moment? I could be making this completely up, yeah. where uh, for some reason rugby league dwindled about 70 or 80 years ago, and it looked like they might go down that path. Uh, I could be making that up. Put it out to the listeners. No, I, I can answer that. Oh, okay. so not, of course you can, Xander. <laughs> of course you can. It's not rugby league, but um, but rugby union in Germany was a thing for a while, and that got banned under the Nazis, um, interestingly. That would be it. Because it was considered in, uh, too British. Whilst right. in France, uh, rugby was an establishment sport, and they banned rugby league because it was considered too working class. Yeah, interesting. And you know, another interesting fact about the Third Reich is they're the inventors of Fanta. Because they, they didn't did. have the primary oh. ingredients to make and, coke and uh, uh, Volkswagen. That's right, yeah. exactly. Uh, which has gone on to do much bigger and better things since I've heard. It's gone on to have its own scandals, <laughs> not not as bad as the ones under the Nazis. To be not, fair, almost comparable, I would say. Zed, uh, look, we haven't done anything to service this poor old. <laughs> what poor was old the, guy. what was the question? <laughs> Sorry, Swiss cowboy. Uh, you've asked, can we expand the NRL to twenty six teams into two divisions? And have a mascot rugby league match before the grand final. I'm thinking that. The so Swiss how did we get to? How did we have that massive discussion and not even have the question asked? <laughs> because I'm a shit host. Now, if we can go on to the question, do you know what I love about this question? Is I that love that question. Can I say he's speaking my mind? Okay, like, so you're a big fan of this idea. I, I mean, I've been saying for ages the, the best way to expand the NRL is to have two divisions and not kill any or merge any teams, but allow people to still follow their teams. Just you know, basically provi- provide incentives for, you know, growth regions. And mm. then if there are teams who are poorly financially managed, then they just end up in Division 2. So 26 teams, though, that's a big jump. Yeah. From you would, what we've got you, you would work your way there slowly. What, you would what probably, would be your, like, put your uh, flag in the ground in terms of timeline? When would the yep. NRL be at 26 teams? Ah, uh, 2030, give it 10 years. So what you would do, I reckon, because adding 10 that's teams... That's pretty, like, rapid expansion. It's ambitious, but, you know, if you think you think about it, it's two divisions. So yeah. you, you, you've got the cream of the crop on one. You would have, I think you would have, um, yeah, you would have 13, obviously, in each... But you would you would start with division two being a smaller division. Mm. So you would you would say expand to um, uh, you know from sixteen to eighteen teams. Oh, so you'd have one division right. with less teams in it. You'd have one division. No, yeah, you would have you would have one division with um, with thirteen initially, and then that that second division would just be a smaller competition, and that would grow. So and I like that idea. Like I'm a big supporter. Of it. I think yes, expand it, bring it to new areas, uh, have promotion relegation. That way you could you could you could bring back certain sides like you you could have in you could you could then create the Central Coast Bears without any problems because there would be a lower cost to entry. Mm, yeah. And they could you could the the expansion could could come at lower overheads for clubs because you you know you could eventually go to two or three divisions like they have in the Super League. Where's the line where say a traditional club that we know and love mm. today falls into the second division? So what level of performance? Did it have to come, come last, last or second yeah. last or third so, last? Yeah, you, is, is that an arbitrary line? Yeah. Do we draw that somewhere at the bottom quarter of the table? No, no. It's, it's, it's just the last team, last. is it? So basically every Isn't season. Isn't it what you make it though? Is it always last? Or it's you last. Can, oh, But what if we... It is last. All the time. Yeah, so that's that's what that's the reason. That Isn't that a system that's in place now? Couldn't you create a new idea where it's not necessarily that? Well, like the bottom eight get well, not the bottom yeah. eight. That would be extreme. But <laughs> but no, that, what that's the bottom two. That's what that's what you play for in the lower division. You play the championship is to win a spot in the top division. Yeah, right. and it creates stakes. And that also uh, would simultaneously solve the problem that we um, discussed earlier around um, the negative incentive for a draft. 
which yeah. is that you could have teams tanking. If there was a second division, then you wouldn't want to tank too bad because you don't want to be dropped to the lower division. Yeah, right. And do you know what I like about it as well? Is no one wants the wooden spoon, right? Mm. That's about a pride issue. But there'd be, as you said, massive stakes on the line, wouldn't yeah. they? If you come last, you really don't want to fucking come last. You, you, you don't, like, you wouldn't have teams just giving up to the extent that they do now, I don't think. Um, you know, like where where the back end of the season, some of the bottom like mm. four sides were just turnstiles in defence because you know they were waiting for the off season. They're really playing for something. There's yeah, a, yeah you're right. There's so, some real skin in the game at those cellar dweller yeah. games. No, yeah. I, I think it would add an awful lot to the game. I think ultimately the NRL should be looking for three divisions and and having that as the the, the chief mechanism for expansion. That way, you you also you know you, you do put more of the onus on the teams to have strong financial and, and mm. uh, uh, player management systems. Mate, we're going to push on to um, almost on a similar vein. This mm. comes from Ricky Blake. G'day, Ricky. Um, he said, how does two nine-team conferences sound? The top four of both make finals with the winner of each to play in a Super Bowl-type grand final. He says it's yeah. a no-brainer to him. I don't <laughs> like it. Don't like it. No, okay, I, yeah, why is that? So, I mean, I, I think a conference system works in a, in a market like North America where you have scale. The genesis of the conference system was the merging of two competitions in the US, right? Like mm. the American Football League and the National Football League. Um, that's why you got the NFC and the AFC. Totally. Right. Um, it was to manage scale in the States. And that's why, like, a, you know, a version of conference systems is what you have in, in big global tournaments. I don't think it makes sense for the NRL. If, if Australia was a one football code country like America, if, if the NRL was the only show in town mm. and we just had every part of the country just scrambling to get into it, it would make sense even without 25 million people maybe to, to do it that way just because there would be so much professional demand. Mm. But, you know, we're a country with four different professional football codes and um, I think the, you know, it, it would it would just dilute the product and also you don't get as clear an idea of who are the best team in the country is because you're arbitrarily... Um, quarantining them from competition from, you know, the other side of the competition. That's right. But I guess the point that Ricky's making is that eventually you will find out because they'll come together at the end in some Super Bowl-esque Yeah, for a one-off game. Um, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, don't... that's what grand finals are, right? Yeah, they are. But, like, I mean, for example... But we don't play in a league. No, no. I mean, I, I just don't like it. I, I don't think... I, to me, um, it just makes more sense... Uh, to do the promotion relegation system, I think there are more there are more overall uh, like whole of game benefits. Mm. I don't really see what we gain by doing a conference system. We know interesting advocate for this idea is Gus Gould. Yeah, I know. I've yeah, heard him talk and, about and it. he's he thinks that the NRL's long term strategy needs to be a conference system. And I, I don't know if I'm misquoting him here, but I thought it was along the lines of having uh, you know the rest of Australia. If we're talking about expansion, mm -hmm. they kind of form one conference. And then Sydney formed the other. Do you think there's any merit to that? Would you? Is some something kind of yeah. cool about it? Also guarantees a Sydney team, I guess, coming into the the overall scheme of things. But um, as a bit of a biased Sydneyite, but it, it is kind of an interesting idea if it's about nurturing expansion. Yeah. See, that, again, that also uh, comes to the, the the comparison with the United States. It works for them because you're geographically split fairly evenly. Yeah. And I think, as you said, scale is a big component. Yeah. And, and but if your if your idea of a conference system is to have Sydney versus the rest, then you're, you know, implicitly actually um, stacking the odds in favor of the Sydney team because they're Isn't less it fatigued. Grand? 
You know what I mean? Like that, that's that's another problem I have with it is you're you're immediately engendering a pro Sydney bias, which is going to piss off the rest of the team. Well, teams. but of course the conference system wouldn't have to work like that, right? You wouldn't have to make it Sydney versus the rest. If you're talking mm. about it conceptually, you could divide the the comp, the teams the competition in any way you liked. Yeah. Would there be a, an incarnation that would work for you? Uh, what would be the best of a bad case scenario? Because I know you're not a fan of the idea. Yeah. But if someone put a gun to your head, which is a really unusual scenario, <laughs> fucking fairly, make the conference fairly, system now! Fairly brutal. Um, um, how would you make it happen? It's hard for me to work out. like Because it is a, a Sydney-centric competition, it's the same problem you have in the AFL with, it, with Melbourne. Hmm. You almost would have to split the city in half, right? Okay. And then maybe you would maybe you would have the northern half of the Sydney teams or, or half of the Sydney teams plus Queensland and then the other half of Sydney teams plus Canberra and Melbourne. That's interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that'd probably be a fairer spread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because then you... You're right. Maybe it shouldn't be Sydney versus the rest. Yeah. That doesn't it, then, seem then, very sound to Yeah, me. and, and the, it would create an interesting dynamic, though, where, where there'd be half of the Sydney teams not playing each other until the playoffs. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe that this is all about long-term gain, though, mm. you know, and, and we have to let go of some of those parochial historical roots. But um, having said that, love a good fucking local derby. <laughs> uh, this should be great this year for the Sharks and the Dragons because, of course, the Sharks... Yeah, they're all playing at the same spot. ...playing out of Cogra, yeah. which will be very interesting. Um, look, I don't want to skip past this because the Swiss Cowboy also mentioned it was a two-part question. He wanted to know, should we have a mascot war before the jumping back final? to the, the Swiss Cowboy question? No, no, no. So the second part with him was about oh, okay, mascots. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he thinks that, and I'm sure this is in ode to our mascot war. I don't know if I can we can take credit for it or not. But he, he's wondering, should there be teams of people dressed up as their mascots before the grand final takes place and there's an actual mini mascot competition. That'd be amazing. And look, I don't want to dwell on this question because we could go down a real rabbit hole, but who would win out of the 16 teams in the current competition if they were to have the same powers as their mascot? As their mascot? Yeah, I think you'd... you'd the Broncos, almost... surely. No, I... I, I, I... They're on a fucking horse, Sander. Yeah, I, I mean, if it's it, where is it a race? Is the competition a race or is it a fight? <laughs> well, they could. It's a race to the try line. Oh, okay. If it's a race to the try yeah, they've got to be playing footy. Yeah. If it's a race to the try line, yeah, the Broncos. But oh, I was okay, going to say, yeah, not a fight. No, no. no. Yeah, I was going to say Panthers and Tigers, pretty formidable yeah, creatures. That's true. All right, I hope that answered your your question, Swiss Cowboy, um, aka Carsten Brum, which sounds quite German to me. I don't know. All right, we'll probably finish with one more because we're trying to jam all this into a short session. We've actually had a good chat, I like to think. And, of course, Xander, you're still recovering from COVID-19 and I don't want to keep you for too much longer. Certainly my wife doesn't because there's a real quarantine zone in the studio at the moment. The last question, and apologies if we don't get to all the questions. uh, We did plan to. The last question comes from Karate Warrior 2 who asks, Why do people buy shit food at stadiums? Is this financial and gastronomical masochistic behaviour a product of rugby league fandom? So you've you've hit a hit a personal nerve for me, Karate Warrior, and and um you know good to connect with you via the podcast. We've we've uh, had a few chats via Twitter, um but I don't understand it either. I as a rule do not buy food at stadiums because it sucks. Yeah, they're, they're awful, aren't they? Mm. And the worst part is you actually have to pay about thirty eight dollars per pie. Yeah. It's it's like buying a chocolate bar at the cinemas, you know. You, you kind of have to take out a mortgage. You do. It's I, li- I honestly, it's almost at that point where I get to the front counter and they go, "All right," and they punch it all into the register and they go, "Cool, that will be your left nut, please." <laughs> if um, you're lucky. If you're lucky, I'll I take know. the right as well. I, I almost feel like I've come away with a hot dog and a pie and a Pepsi, and I feel like I've been ransacked, like I've been robbed. 
Or you find because out my that bank the, account the is... meat of the hot dog is actually your genitals that they've repurposed. Sorry, we went a little dark there. <laughs> That's all right, mate. As long as it has a good layer of dick cheese on the top, I don't mind. Uh, well, look, that'll probably wrap it up. <laughs> that'll probably wrap it up for now. Um, look, we've, we've put this as a, an experimental episode. We don't know if it's worked or not. We just took a couple of your questions and keep writing into us, guys. You can get us on the hashtag AskTVT. You, you probably don't get a lot of uh, necessarily a lot of nourishment. Hopefully you got something out of that. I'm not sure. Now, I don't know how we want to finish this. We haven't discussed it mm. because we've got very little time to get this episode out. But um, we might finish with a story each. How does that sound? Yeah, I'll... <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not? Because um, something was reverberating in my brain and I wanted to share it with the listeners just to let you all know a little bit more about Eamon Brown. Now, my old man's been on the show a few times, Xander. Big shout out to Charlie, if you're out there. I'm sure, if you're out there, you're my dad. Of course you are. You haven't, you haven't died, so of course I know you're out Clearly there. Clearly a very close relationship <laughs> yeah, exactly. there. Exactly. Communicate pa- to your dad via podcast, not by calling him up and asking him how he's doing. Mate, we're pen pals at this stage. No, look, he's been on the show before. And um, look, when my dad was growing up, Xander, you know this because we've been mates for a while, but... Look, he had a lot of road rage. My dad was a very, he's a still and a very impatient man. But back in the day, he was legendarily impatient and would have had a major road rage. And so there's a number of incidents to choose from, but I thought I'd choose this one because I quite liked it. Uh, we grew up in, in Bondi and uh, Bondi Road, for any of listeners that don't know, very busy street, bumper to bumper a lot of the time. And my dad, one particular day, was in peak hour and I'm in the back seat and Someone chopped him off. There's two lanes of traffic. Someone chopped him off and he wasn't happy about that. Now, my dad's default reaction when someone chops him off in traffic uh, is a flurry of expletives followed by um, a lot of honking of the horn. And then that usually is where it kind of ends, except on this occasion, Xander, that didn't happen, unfortunately. He decided that he didn't unload enough and started tailgating this person for a long time. Like right from the top of Bondi Road, almost down to Campbell Parade, down in Bondi Beach there. Anyway, so he's tailgating because he wants to give this person a little bit more of his mind. And eventually, he's weaving in and out of traffic. Ten minutes later, he sees this car up ahead and he gets up on a set of lights and he gets up beside it and he, he signals to them to wind down their window. This is back in the day we had to actually physically unwind them. So you did that sort of signal, wind it down. And this person obliged and wound down their window. Now, my dad just happened to have... <laughs> an old piece of fish on the passenger side and he grabbed this piece of fish and he pegged it at this person's head and it rebounded off their head this person's obviously very shocked by this stage but it wasn't where it stopped Xander because my dad also had a, about a quarter of a strawberry milkshake left which he also proceeded to throw at this person that bounced off this person's head and went I, my, my memory of this is so vivid all of the, the strawberry milkshake went up in the inside of this person's windscreen, just covered in pink at this stage and bits of fish. This person's looking at my dad going, what the fuck? My dad goes, oh, fuck, that's not him. <laughs> he goes, no, he was in a red car. This How did is, he get the colour wrong? Oh, because he was weaving out of traffic and when my dad gets angry, he just Everything loses, was red? Every, exactly. <laughs> he just loses all logic. So I never understand. When I think about that story, I always think about there's a person out there that we don't know who it is that I'm sure tells the Still same story to this very day from the reverse perspective. And the other thing I always think about is why the fuck was he drinking a strawberry milkshake with fried fish? 
Never makes sense it's to me. An interesting that was my dad's lunch. Anyway, look, that's an odd way to end a Q&A. But uh, thanks for hanging in there, everybody. And Xander, thanks for coming over in your almost deathly state, mate. Uh, we'll be back uh, hopefully next week and uh, talking about all the action from round two. Until then, just do what James Graham would do. And ramble incoherently at the referee. Bye for now.